All right, we want to uh, greet everyone in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're grateful to everyone for being here today, and we look forward to sharing with you uh, the things that the Lord have laid on our hearts to share. So if you have your Bibles, let's go to the 12th chapter of the book of Romans. And uh, if we will receive this message, it will change our lives and it will help us to not only um, be on the right path, but it will also help us to stay on that path. You know, it's one thing to get on the path, and then it's another thing to, to stay on that path. And this will, and in between, uh, from beginning to the end of our path, we can have, let's think about what the Lord said, that uh, the thief comes but to kill, steal, and destroy. And he said, but I come that you may have life, listen now, and have it more abundantly. So God have called us to not just, he didn't come to just bring us life, but he come to bring us an abundant life. Now, let's think about this, the abundant life. Now, life is good enough. From the Lord, if he if he come to bring it now, he's talking about his life, the life that he brings to us, that he come that we may have life. And have it more abundantly. Now, let's think about what he's saying in there. I come that you may have life, which is good. Thank you, Lord. You know, in other words, I, I have eternal life. I'm going to get to heaven. But look at what he says. And have it more abundantly. I'm trying not to get ahead of myself here. Let's think about that now. Today, I'm going to go ahead and say it. Today, we're talking about attitudes. Everybody's grateful for life. But your attitude towards life is what makes it more abundant. Does everybody understand it now? You can have food in your cabinet. You may, you know, some of our parents, grandparents, maybe all they had for a whole month to eat was beans and rice. That was life. But their attitude towards the beans and rice is what made them have it more abundantly. I have an abundant life. In other words, a, a, a right attitude towards it. Well, thank God we got beans and rice. We might not have steak, but that day is coming. You know, my old pastor used to say, beans and rice fill you up just like steak will. The idea is to get energy and get your belly full. Your belly don't care what you, what you put in it. <laughs> so, in other words, the difference between beans and rice and steak to a person is their own taste. Your stomach's not digesting it any differently. It's your own taste. Now, depending on what your taste buds are, that depends on what your attitude is going to be towards something. Is everybody understanding now? And we have to think about what the object is. You know, we, we can train ourselves, brothers and sisters, to love beans and rice every day, all day, every week, 
all week, every month, all month. We can train ourselves to do that. Or we could think about what somebody else has. And we can despise our portion in life. So, you know, to me, it's a terrible thing uh, for God to give you life, but you not to have it abundantly because of your attitude towards that life. Your attitude towards your portion in life. Unhappy people are people that are not satisfied with their portion in life. And so, so what, when the Lord tells us that I come that you may have life and have it more abundantly, what is, what is the abundant part? He says, I plan to change your attitude about the life that I have called you to live. You want to know the difference between a happy Christian and a sad Christian? Sad Christians have not accepted real, the walk of God. They feel like I, I got to do it. If I want to go to heaven, I guess I got to submit. I guess I got to love. I guess I got to, you know. It's a burden to them. Now, here's the thing about burdens, brothers and sisters. After a while, you lose your distance. And you lose your stamina. When serving Jesus Christ is a burden to you, you won't last long. You know how many preachers today are getting out of the ministry? You know how many preachers today are leaving the ministry? You know why? Because it has become a burden to them. Their attitudes about it has changed over time. Does everybody see that now? And so what that means for me as a believer, now this is for all of us, what that means is I have to make sure I do a self-check. I have to make sure that nothing's getting in my heart towards people. Preachers get burnt out dealing with people. One of the reasons why they get burnt out is because their attitudes change towards people. You know, I, I'm, I thank the Lord that I got my lesson early on, that people are people. And everybody in church ain't saved. And then, every, and then people that are saved, they're on different levels with the Lord. Some of them have not matured in certain areas, and you have to deal with that. I got that lesson early on in this ministry. And since I've been preaching, you see that. And so what it, does, what it did, it prepared me to deal with different personalities, with different people that are dealing with different things. You know, I thought when I, when I first started living for the Lord and, and started preaching, I thought that everybody was going to run 100 miles per hour like me. I thought th that everybody was going to be excited about this life. This is a new thing. This is a new life. This is a whole new way of saying, seeing things. And I thought everybody was going to run just as fast and be just as excited. And then when I started preaching, I found something different. Some people running. Some people walking. Some people standing still. And some people walking backwards. And on, on my journey of, of life, dealing with people in the ministry, I come along as a shepherd. Hey, come on, come on. God is still good. Come on, come on, let's go. All right. And they run for a little while and they get back to the, the pace that they were at before. 
Some people walking, standing still. Come on, come on, start running again. Start, at least start walking. Walk, walk, walk. Okay, so you can walk. So come on, run, 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 run. All right. Then I look behind me because I done grabbed somebody else's arm to carry them along. And they done came to a standstill again, just standing there. And then I come across some people going backwards. Come on, come on, stand still first. Don't go backwards, stand still. Okay, I stand still. That don't take any effort. Okay, well, come on, walk, walk, walk. You know, and so you, you know the pattern now. And what I find the issue is, is their attitude. I believe everybody, if they are saved, everybody that got saved, they started off running in God, started off running, excited. I'm glad for this new thing. But then opposition happens. Something happens. They come across somebody. A situation happened. And what it does is it changes their attitude towards serving the Lord. Jesus Christ said, except you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you will in no wise have any part with me. You won't have any part of this salvation. And the Bible says many from that day on followed him no more. What was it? He could speak a word. Now, they had followed him for three years already. All they had was about six months to go before that Holy Ghost would come and fall upon them. But that one statement shook them. It changed their attitude toward the Lord. And because it changed their attitude, the Bible says that they walked no more with him. In other words, after they saw the, the, that the Holy Spirit fell upon them, on, on, after the day of Pentecost, and they saw all these mighty works, they still didn't walk with him. They didn't change their mind. That's the reason why I said they walked no more with him. They did not change their mind because their attitude towards him had changed. And so what that tells me, brothers and sisters, we have to do like what we're told in the fourth chapter of the book of Proverbs. We have to guard our heart with all diligence for out of it flows the issues of life. What does that mean? Out of it, this is where your attitude towards everything in life comes from. Your heart. Your heart. Many of us, we first start a job. We don't care what it is. If we got bills, we're glad to have one. And, and we start a job and thank God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. At 9 o'clock, I'm going to be here at 830. I'm going to be sitting out in the parking lot. You know, I'm going to be here, sir. And they say, well, your job is to sweep. Sweep the, sweep the building. Yes, sir. And I'm going to bring my own room to sweep the parking lot. <laughs> but something happens over time, don't it? Lunch break happens. <laughs> and we get to talking to them old employees that should have retired 50 years ago. <laughs> and you know what happens? They change the trajectory of our life because we receive what they're saying. They change our attitudes. How many of you have ever experienced that? You start off good, you have the right attitude about a job, and you serve in faithfully like you serve in the Lord. And then over time, something happens. It becomes a burden. You know, when I was growing up... Uh, we got one, we didn't get wardrobes of clothes for school. We got one changing of clothes. Everything else was from last year and the year before last, and we could still fit them. 
And our first day of school was always exciting. We could, just like Christmas to us, we couldn't go to sleep. Wait, couldn't wait to meet our new teachers. Couldn't wait to see the new classrooms and to try new things. You know, uh, had to be on the bus at 6 o'clock or 6.50, if I'm not mistaken. I had to, the bus would come around at 6.50, and we're up at 4 o'clock in the morning talking about it. 5 o'clock in the morning, we were already dressed, brushed our teeth, you know, uh, combed our hair, and, and standing by the door waiting on the bus. Just excited. That was the first week. <laughs> then, after the first week, the, the teachers had the audacity to start giving homework out. I didn't come here for that. This is about my new clothes. <laughs> Everybody see. So what I'm saying is as, as life goes on, if we're not careful, our attitude towards something that was meant to be good, it changes. And when our attitude changes, listen, our actions change. And we become something different than what we started off with. Does everybody see now? And so if you think about it, you think about it. People are going to do one or two things in your life. They're going to either help you run faster or they're going to slow you down in, in, the, in the will of God. One or two things going to help you run faster. They're either there to build you up and, and to encourage you to continue, or they're there to discourage you, to stop. And you have to know the difference. You have to know, I have to shut this down. I'm going to shut it down because I can see you're trying to change my life. If you ever would just sit down and think about how conversations can change your whole life because you base your decisions on the attitudes towards things that's in your life in the moment. And conversations can change your whole life, can change your whole mind about things. Does everybody see that now? And so we have to guard that. And me personally, I'm a watchdog. Uh, yes, I am too. Because I've lived long enough to know when something ain't good. I'm not, I'm not naive like I used to be when I was young. Now I know that everything that come up to me talking ain't sent by God. So, I, you know, I, 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 I'm, just, I'm a watchdog like that. You know, listen, the whole, listen, brothers and sisters, and this is what you have to know. Just, we're getting off into this now. You be careful with questions. Be careful with questions. Because the whole fall of mankind began with a question. Yeah. Did God really say? So when I'm, when I'm done preaching, you be careful with that. What do you think about what Brother Bolden was saying? You be careful with that. It's designed to change your attitude. Does everybody see that now? And, and so that's not God's will. So is everybody at the 12th chapter of the book of Romans now? I think I gave y'all enough time to get there. <laughs> We're going to start reading at verse 1. 12th chapter of the book of Romans, verse 1. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. 
Verse 2, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye what? How? By the renewing of what? Of your mind. That means your, if your actions are going to change, if you're going to really present your bodies as a, as a living sacrifice, then you're going to have to change your mind about some things. Everybody see that? That ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Does everybody see that? So for me to live for God, my mind has to change about my thought process concerning the way I thought before. For me to live for God, my mind has to change. Isn't that right now? But then let's now, let's go to the fourth chapter of the book of Ephesians. Because that's not enough. It's not enough, uh, brothers and sisters, for our minds to change. Something else has to change. So, you know, fourth chapter of the book of Ephesians, we're going to start reading at verse 17. It says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Everybody see that? Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God, through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of what? Their heart, who being past feeling, have given themselves over unto lasciviousness, in other words, license, to sin, to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. Everybody see that? It's to, look at what it tells us. We have to put off concerning the former conversation, what? The old man. How many of you, when you get dressed, you wear four and five layers of clothes? I don't have another dress shirt under here. I don't have on two pair of pants. It's too hot for that. I don't do that in the wintertime. Now, how many of you, let's think about this. For the most part, how many of you will raise your hand and say you got more than seven changes of clothes in your closet? So you got to change your clothes for every day of the week, right? At least that, right? So when we come to Christ, every changing of clothes we have, we got on. If you got more than seven changing of clothes in your closet, that's what you look like when you come to Christ. Bulky. Pride is a changing of clothes. Anger, a changing of clothes. Bitterness, a changing of clothes. We, we got that. And we wear it all at the same time. Now, the only thing we can get to heaven with is the changing of clothes the Lord give us. And that's the armor of God. And I'm telling you, that's so skin tight, you can't fit anything underneath there. And it's hot. Listen, and it's enough. 
So after a while, you know, if you got on seven layers of shirts on you, that, that breastplate of righteousness ain't going to fit on top of all of that. You got to take that, all that stuff that have to do with your heart, the anger, the bitterness, all that's got to be pulled off for the breastplate of righteousness to fit. And so then we have people come to church week after week trying to figure out what's wrong. I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't know why I can't, I'm, I'm falling, you know, in the area of righteousness. Why I keep falling into this? Why I keep falling into that trap? I can tell you why. Because you still got something of the old man on. And the Bible tells you to take it off. You have to take it off. Does everybody see that now? Now let's think about taking it off. When we get undressed, how many of you got a, a scissors or a knife when you get home? And when you get undressed, you just cut the stuff off. Listen, how do you take your clothes off? Just the opposite of how you put them on. Just the opposite. In other words, if I'm going to take the old man off, I got to go backwards. I got to figure out how I got that, how I got that shirt on in the first place. And then I'm going to ease my way and back my way out of it. Everybody understand that? That's how we do it. We don't, the Lord don't come with his special scissors and cut them off. Because other than that, you'll be putting it back on at some point. If you don't know how you picked it up, you won't lay it down properly. You got to know how you picked it up. Does everybody see that? So this tells us that we put off concerning the former conversation, in other words, lifestyle, the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Everybody see that? So how many of you, uh, at night when you take a bath or shower, you get out of your old clothes, and when you take a bath and shower, you put back on your old clothes? Wouldn't that defeat the purpose? So it defeats the purpose when you come here and God washes you with his word and then you go right back out and get and put back on what was dirty and what was filthy. It's, it's the same. You still got the same odor on you. It might not be under your underarms, but it's there. Does everybody see? So if we have enough sense, naturally so, not to put back on what we just got out of during the day, for the day, that has the day's work on it, then shouldn't we have enough sense not to do that spiritually? How many of you, we just like babies, how many of you know you sleep better when you take a bath at night, you take a shower at night, you just sleep better? It's hard to sleep with, with the day on you, isn't it? You have to be a sleepy somebody And here's the thing, brothers and sisters, that same thing is true spiritually. It's hard to rest in God with the old man on you. With the stench of the old man on you. It's hard to rest in him with that old stench on you. Everybody see that now? You know, even little babies, I don't care how they fuss, how much collar they got, whatever they call that. <laughs> You, you put them in a, little, in a little baby tub. When I was little, we got in the bathroom sink and just hold their little head up and get to washing them. All them demons going to come out. <laughs> they had such peace. That's the most peaceful you're going to see a baby. 
when they're bathing. <laughs> Does everybody see that now? And then they, they sleep well through the night. You know, they, yeah, they sleep well. And so it's the same thing with us. We allow God to wash us with his word, and we, we, we put on the outfit that God has for us to put on, and we rest better. And when I say rest, I mean we're no longer trying to be righteous in our own works. We're just living. We're just flowing. Everybody see now. So let's read verse 23. And this is the, the, the cornerstone of the day's message. And be renewed where? Of what? Of what? Of your mind. Do you know? Now listen, the first, scripture, the first set of scriptures we read in the 12th chapter of the book of Romans, it tells us to renew our mind. Doesn't it say that? But then this goes deeper. It tells us to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. What does that mean? Did you know your mind has a spirit? Oh, yeah. Your mind has a spirit. What is that spirit? The attitude. Your mind retains knowledge and ideas. Your mind retains and has knowledge and ideas. You can know. Okay, the Lord want me to walk in love. So, okay, I'm a love. Not going to talk back. I'm a love. I'm going to keep quiet. I'm going to just take it. That's a renewed mind. In other words, you know to do better. But to be renewed in the spirit of your mind is this. My attitude towards my new actions is right. You can have new actions because your mind have changed about those actions or about your old actions. But what makes you cross the finish line of salvation your attitude towards your new life. In other words, now you have life more abundantly. You have life when your mind is renewed. Okay, I know this needs to change. But that's not enough. You know how many people start off walking in Christ and stop? What makes them keep going? What makes people who have started off living for the Lord keep going? Their attitude towards Christ. Their attitude towards the things that he tells us to do. Their attitude towards the life that he has called us to live. I will, I will be a miserable Christian if I accepted what the Lord say, but with a wrong attitude. I'd be depressed, sad all the time. Because this is, I guess I got to do this if I want to go to heaven. And you won't last long if you guess. You, listen, you won't last long if you got to do it. <laughs> Does everybody see that now? So our attitude is the spirit of our mind. Our attitude is the spirit of our mind, and we have to be renewed in our attitude towards the knowledge that we have retained concerning Jesus Christ. We have to be renewed in that. Does everybody understand that? 
I can start off running because I know what direction I'm running in and God has showed me the finish line. But if my attitude don't change towards the knowledge that I have, pretty soon I'm going to be tempted. All right, you know what? All I got to do is cross it. I ain't, he ain't say I got to run all the way. I can just I can start walking when we start off power walking. He said, well, you know what? The Lord ain't called me to do all that. I'm going to just walk regular. Okay, then we start off doing that. Well, you know, the Lord calls us to rest. You know, in him we have rest. So I'm going to stop right here. I'm trying to show you we can find a scripture to justify <laughs> our bad attitudes. So I'm going to just chill out right here for a minute. Because people don't understand my struggle. I'm tired. Our attitude. You know, in, in, in races, I ran track for a year or so. And you have some people, just about, they can, they can run, and they can run just as fast as what they started off with a mile ago. And then you have some people, they're only good for short distances. 50 yards, and I'm out. I'm going to run as hard as I can, and hope, hopefully the Lord come back for me <laughs> before I get tired, because if not, I'm going to lose. Does everybody see that now? And so is our attitude. You know, when I, my first year when I was running track, the coach had us run. The whole, we had to run the whole hour and a half of practice. That was, the, that was for maybe the first three days. We just ran and ran. And no coaching, no how to lift, you know, how to do nothing. nothing. Y'all run. Just run. And we did that for about an hour and a half to two hours after school. No coaching, no nothing. You just get on out there and run. And every day, you know what happened? Less and less people showed up. What was he doing? Weeding out the bad attitudes. <laughs> Does everybody see that now? <laughs> Why? Because he know at some point, you're going to find yourself in a situation. If I continue to let you run for this team, you're going to find yourself in a situation where you're going to give up. You'll trip and fall, and you just walk off the track. You'll be discouraged. So a wrong attitude equals us being discouraged at some point. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, we have to get to the place where we're not easily discouraged. We're not easily moved by the winds of life. Life happens, and we're going to happen. We're going to keep moving. Does everybody see that now? So it's important that our attitudes change not just our minds but our attitudes towards the knowledge we have retained it's important that that changes as well everybody see that now let's go real briefly let's go to the fourth chapter of the book of Genesis I just want to share this before we get there you know I, I think about um Nobody says that life is fair. You know, uh, maybe the first year that Brother Junior and I were working together in the ministry, I noticed some things about him. And uh, it just seemed like to me, because I, I was at his house all the time, 
And maybe that was partially my fault. You know, I didn't have no better sense but to be sitting there all the time. He might have gotten, you know, <laughs> maybe I was just in his house too much. I don't know. But, at, at, you know, at some point, I felt like he was pushing me away. And I, I couldn't understand that. That was, you know, man, I'm here sitting at your feet. You the great brother junior, and I'm the little peon. I'm just here to get what you got. And, you know, he would say some things. Um, he would say some things that it just felt like I was supposed to get offended at it. And I don't mean correcting me in the word. You know, I, I, could, I could take that. That's what I'm here for. I'm here to let you sharpen me. You know, uh, but it was just some things he would say that I felt like this is designed to push me away. But every time I'm going to be back tomorrow. And after, you know, I didn't fall for that because, you know, I was just determined, you know, you, you, you say something, you, you know, off, I'm, I'm going to stay an extra hour. That's what's going to happen until I, until I, I you know, I, I had enough sense to know I can't leave your presence with this on my brain. You, we're going to we're gonna have to talk about some good stuff first. Before I leave, I know better than that. I can't take this home with me. So, you know, one day after he saw <laughs> that all that wasn't going to work, he just looked at me. He said, Brother John, he said, I want you to pray for me. I said, yes, sir. I said, what about it? He said, I know I'm bitter. He says, I'm bitter, and I want you to pray for me. I said, yes, sir. He said, no, I mean now. I want you to pray for me. So I prayed for him. And all of that changed. All of that changed. And, you know, over the years, um, he and I talking and things like that, he would tell me about how he'd be preaching the gospel. You know, he'd preaching to these construction workers on the street. And one of the men just, ah, you know, just from the way down deep in his lungs up to his throat, every, every bit of saliva and mucus he could find. Hacked it up and spit in his face. And he just pulled his handkerchief off. I, I got his handkerchiefs now. Pulled it out and just wiped his face. And he just said, I hope the Lord don't charge you with that. And one of the fellows who wasn't even hardly standing there listening to the gospel got mad because they knew, you know, Brother Junior was a preacher. And he got mad and wanted to fight the fellow. And Brother Junior had to tell him, don't, don't worry about that. And one day he was in Texas. I want to say, I think it was Houston, Texas. He was preaching at a church that they had called him to preach to. And he was saying all fornicators will have their part in the lake of fire. All adulterers, all, all adulterers, you'll have your part in the lake of fire. You shacking up, you're going to have your part in the lake of fire. And one of the deacons stood up and said, well, my mama's living with a man. Are you telling me my mama's going to hell? He said, yes, sir. If your mama's living with a man she's not married to, she's going to hell. And the deacon walked up there on the, up on the platform took Brother Junior's arm and twisted behind him and marched him out to the parking lot and began to well on him, beat him. So some of the other leaders, they stood by and watched because they didn't like Brother Junior as well. But some of them that had some sense, they pulled, him, pulled the man off of Brother Junior. Some years later, Brother Junior was out working in the woods and he saw the man. And he walked up to the man and said, you remember me? The man said, no, I don't think I remember you. He said, you don't remember me? He said, no, I don't think you, I, I don't think I remember you. And Brother Junior took his arm and twisted it behind his back. He said, oh, 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 okay, I remember you. And you know what happened? In the woods that day, that man got saved. 
So he held on for a while, being able to take the beatings, being spit on, being rejected. But over time, listen, if we don't do inventory, Lord, am I loving the same way I loved five years ago? Do I have the same stamina that I had five years ago? Do I have the same patience that I had five years ago? If you see any of that slacking off, then you're walking backwards. And after a while, you just stop altogether. See, our attitude change, it don't happen overnight. The devil's got your whole life to change your mind. He's got your whole life to get you to walk backwards. Does everybody see that now? Listen, uh, you know, uh, uh, to me it's very important. This, this requires some preventive maintenance. You don't wait until you hear your engine knocking before you decide to put oil in your car to change your oil. Does everybody see that now? Yeah, we have to do some preventive maintenance. Lord, I don't want to, I'm trying to prevent this. I don't want to fall into it and then you have to come in with your supernatural power to pull me out of it. I'm going to prevent it from happening. How do I do that? By taking inventory. Lord, am I loving the same way? That's what makes, makes marriages fall apart because people aren't taking inventory. Am I loving the same way that I loved before? Am I just as excited? You know, when people first get married, they can't understand to be away from each other. The husband go off to work and the wife walking behind the car, waving. <laughs> 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 what happens after five years of marriage after three after the first year of marriage you know the, the first week of marriage the husband come home get a big hug she's standing out outside waiting on him her and the children outside waiting on him after a year the husband come home children in the room Wife yell out when, oh, is that you? Yeah, your pork and beans is on the stove. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> we're going we to last. <laughs> pork and beans. <laughs> Everybody see now. So if you don't, you have to learn to pay attention to what your attitude was back then and what it is now. And if you see that it's different, then you know there's a Trojan horse somewhere. And it cannot be ignored. Something has changed, and I need to go back and figure out what it was. Does everybody see that now? So does everybody, did I say go to the fourth chapter of the book of Genesis? All right, so is everybody there now? Fourth chapter of the book of Genesis. We're going to start reading at verse 1. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived, and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord, and she again bare his brother Abel. Everybody see that? How many times did Adam know Eve? One time. And how many children she had from that? Everybody see that now? All right. And Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. 
And in process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstling of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering, he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth and his countenance fell. Both of them were bringing offerings to the Lord. In, our, in today's term, we would call that presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice. But what made God reject Cain's offerings? It was the attitude that he had with it. Does everybody see that now? In other words, you can do the right thing, but if you do it with the wrong attitude, it will not benefit you. We just recently come off of a fast as a ministry. We just recently come off of a fast. And I'm telling you, after a fast like that, it, we ought to be different. We ought to be different. And I can say without doubt anywhere in my heart, if you still see the same junk you were dealing with before the fast, it's because you were fasting with the wrong attitude. I can, I can promise you that. And so you can see how you can put forth all this effort. You think about it. I, I think most of us was faithful in that fast. I, we're going to eat every other day, and, and, uh, and the opposite of that, we're not going to eat, and we're going to do it faithfully. Was faithful in it. Didn't eat anything on the days that we weren't supposed to eat for a whole 90 days. And then only to come out on the other side being the exact same person we were before we started on the fast, it shows me the attitude about it was wrong. If your attitude was wrong, it will not benefit you. In the book of Isaiah, God called his people out. He said, you're fasting for strife. In other words, you're fasting with strife. In that same book, it tells us what is the fast supposed to do. It's supposed to break the chains off of your life. I tell you what, if I'm going to go without eating, I'm going to get something out of the deal. I don't want to just lose a few pounds. I want to lose some of this spiritual weight. I want them chains to be broken. I want to be shown chains that I didn't even know was there. But if I, if I hadn't come out with something deeper than what I started off with, then I know my attitude was off somewhere. Does everybody understand that now? And so here we see Cain. He's offering the fruit of the ground unto the Lord. Everybody see that? But the Bible says that God didn't respect his offering, but he respected Abel's offering. And look at what happened. But unto Cain, verse 5, to his offering, he had not respect, and Cain was very what? What does that word wroth mean? Angry. He was angry. And what? And his countenance did what? He went into depression. Angry and depressed. Well, don't you know, that didn't just start off there. He had all of that when he was making the offering. 
And I'm going to tell you, Cain represents the carnal, carnal-minded believer. If I got to do it, I'm going to do it. But don't tell me what attitude to do it in. Just be glad your pork and beans is on the stove and warmed up a little. Yeah, I put some salt in it. But you know what? Love fries bacon and put it in there. Yes, it does too. Does everybody understand that? That's what love does. That thing about eggs. You know, I love scrambled eggs. And I can tell what love is in those eggs because it ain't watery. Does everybody understand that? If, if love ain't in those eggs, it's going to be a big clump. Look like it might as well have been bald. Scrambled eggs, love, chop it up. But I'm busy, it's a big clump. I'm, I'm taking showers and everything else while your little egg is fried. <laughs> Does everybody understand that now? But Cain believes, and the spirit of Cain believes, if I done fried your egg, shut up and, and eat it. Don't tell me how to give you eggs. You're you ungrateful somebody. Now you eat that big old clump. You chop it up. That's what Cain believes. Shut up, God. Don't tell me how to give you an offering. Just be glad you're getting one. And God said, I will not. I own the cattle of a thousand, on a thousand hills. You, what are you going to bring to me? What are you going to offer me? All oh, that's mine anyway. The only thing you're really bringing me is your attitude. Because everything you got is mine already. So it ain't, it ain't the cows that I'm delighting in. <laughs> it's the attitude that's bringing the cow. Does everybody understand? The cow is mine anyway. The cow going to live longer than you and your parents. Your children are going to be having the cows. So I know I'm not impressed with cows. I'm sure not. Does everybody see that now? <laughs> but but that's, that's what the carnal-minded carnal minded believer do. Okay, y'all doing what you're supposed to do, yeah. Why you, you know... You know, you got to do it in the right attitude. And, and people would rather be depressed and angry than to change their attitudes about it. How long is depression going to last in this Christian walk? How long is anger going to last in this Christian walk? Your attitude, God have come so you may have life and have it more abundantly. You're supposed to enjoy your Christian walk. Does everybody understand that now? Look what it says, verse 6. It says, And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? And why is thou countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth where? And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Everybody see that now? So he was upset because God had the audacity to not only tell him to bring an offering, but also to tell him how to bring it. But that was for K 
Cain's benefit, not God's, because you see, God is happy to begin with. God don't get depressed because you're depressed or because you have a bad attitude about something. God is not, listen, brothers and sisters, the only thing that moves God is faith. He's not moved by our, what the old people used to call hissy fits. He's moved by faith. Everybody see that now. And so you see, you can bring every cow to God that God commands. You can do everything that God commands. But if your attitude is wrong, what does it count for? You know what the Bible says? It, though a man give his body to be burned. In other words, you can sacrifice yourself for somebody else. Somebody can shoot a person, shoot at a person, and you can jump in front of them and, and, and catch the bullet. And all the city will hail you and say, that was, that, that was, if that wasn't love. But the Bible says, and have not love. In other words, doing it with the wrong motive. The wrong attitude. Listen, brothers and sisters, God checks attitudes. That word is sharper than a two-edged sword. And it finds the motives of people. Does everybody understand that? The Bible says the, the most quoted scripture in the world, for God so loved the world that he gave. He gave with a right attitude. What was the attitude? Love. It didn't, say just, it didn't just say what God, God gave his only begotten son. It says love was his motive. Love was the attitude behind it. I'm, I'm going to tell you why. Because if love was not the attitude behind him giving his son, he would not have put up with his son being mistreated when he came into this world. He would zapped everything that tried to lay their hands on his son. But love was his motive. And because love was his motive, love was patient and dealt with the mistreatment. How many of you, you think about it, we ready to kill somebody over our child being talked about? Child come home crying and we ready to hurt somebody. You think about what the Lord had to deal with. Think about what God had. He had to watch his son get spit on, get beat, after he had healed people. Does everybody see that now? But love was the motive. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, if we don't get some love in our heart, we won't last long. Love has to be the motive in our attitudes and, and things towards the things of God. Does everybody see that now? Cain's attitude is this. I guess I have to do what God has called me to do if I want to be in good standing with him. Abel's attitude was this, and, and I hope we're all Abel's in here. Thank you, Lord, that I have, I have the opportunity. You woke me up this morning, and I have the opportunity to minister to you. Cain says, well, God, I done sung for you. Didn't you like my singing? I hit every note you told me to hit. Cain takes account of what he's doing for God. Abel takes account of what God is doing for him. And what God allows him to do. Do you know some people aren't allowed to serve God? Does everybody understand that now? And brothers and sisters, we have to understand that. Let's go now. Let's go now to the 12th chapter of the book of Mark. 
12th chapter of the book of Mark, and we're going to start reading at verse 41. Verse 41, it reads, And Jesus sat over against the treasury. Everybody see that? He sat across the way from the offering box, in other words. And beheld, listen, how... (laughs) Everybody see that? What did he do? He beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. Everybody see that? That's nosy, ain't it? I'm not just going to tell you to give. I'm going to look at your attitude when you're giving. You got a smile on your face. Does everybody see that now? And many that were rich cast in what? Much. Many that were what? Rich. What did they do? They cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. And he called unto him his disciples and said unto them, Verily I say unto you that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. For all they did cast in of their abundance. But she of her want, in other words of her lack, did cast in all that she had, even all her living. Does everybody understand what they're saying there? Some of them were given out of their abundance. I make $100,000 a year. I can afford to give you five. In other words, they were casting, they were putting in according to what they could afford in their minds. So in other words, brothers and sisters, it was not a sacrifice to them. Does everybody understand that? It was not a sacrifice for them at all. But then you had some of them one lady, she cast, she gave out of her lack. It was above what she could afford. What made the difference? The attitude. Does everybody see that now? There was a time when David wanted to build God a temple. And God told him, no, you can't build me a temple. But you can prepare the stuff for your son to build it. And he was going to purchase land. And a man told him, he went to a man and said, I want, I want this property right here. And the man said, he said, because I, I want I this is going to be where God's temple is built. And uh, the man said, he told David, I'll give it to you. I'll, I'll, if you're going to build God a house on it, I'll give you the land. And David said, God forbid that I should do anything for God that don't cost me anything. If it don't cost me anything, it's not a sacrifice. It's going to have to cost me something for God to accept it. And what changes my mind about it is my attitude. Does everybody understand that now? If it don't cost me something, then God don't smell it. He only smells sacrifices that cost us something. And our attitude is what determines it. Does everybody see that now? 
So it wasn't, listen, brothers and sisters, it, th th this woman might have gave two pennies. Those rich people might have gave $1,000. But God said, two pennies with a right attitude is better to me than $1,000 with a wrong attitude. Whatever we do for God, brothers and sisters, our attitudes has to be right. If not, you know what'll happen? We'll keep doing it and we won't see any results and eventually we'll get tired of doing it. Why? Because I'm just waiting on my breakthrough. Where's my, when is my time gonna come? And God is saying, when is my time gonna come? When are you gonna do this for me and not for you? Does everybody understand that now? When is your attitude? How many of you have heard that term? Your attitude stank. God says the same thing. Does everybody see that now? Let's think about this. <laughs> My wife, she can't stand chitterlings. Can't stand them. I mean, you don't like chitterlings. Now, I can promise you, I can promise you, if you don't accept it by faith, I can tell you from my own experience, they don't taste like they smell. And they, they have the same flavor as pork chops, just more porky. Like, and they taste like the soft part of the pork chops. Does everybody understand that now? That's what they taste like. But listen, how many of you don't, ain't interested in trying chitlings? Raise your hand, it's okay to be honest. You know why? Because you can't get past the attitude of it. The smell of it. I don't feel I don't want to taste it. If it's got to smell like that. I remember one time my sister, she was living with us. And uh, that was at the time we were having church in the, in the basement of our home. And she had cooked some chitlins one day. And uh, th that smell must have lasted about a week and a half. You know, and I'm sure church people were coming there thinking, man, what kind of demons y'all got in here? <laughs> and brothers and sisters, God sees us the same way. The Bible tells us whatever we do, do with all our might, do with our whole heart as unto the Lord. In other words, do it with the right attitude. How many of you ever go to a restaurant? Don't care how fancy the food is, how good it tastes. What if your waiter just come and just plop your food on the table? Do you care how good it tastes? I don't care how good it tastes if the service ain't good, if the attitude is bad. You know, my wife and I hate to say this. My wife and I, we passed by this McDonald's here in town. And I told my wife, now, them people got some audacity to post a sign outside, yeah, yeah, come work for us, $10 an hour. I said, I will not go to that McDonald's because they're not paying for good attitudes. If I'm standing on my feet for eight hours a day, it better be for more than $10 an hour, I can tell you that. I said, that's a prime example. You get what you pay for. And I'm not saying folks can't be grateful and work hard for that $10 an hour. <laughs> but <laughs> gas is almost $10, $10 a gallon. <laughs> that ain't nothing but two gallons of gas. That might get you home.
Does everybody understand that now? And so you can have a good company with a good product, but with the wrong attitude, it's going to go downhill fast. Word of mouth spreads. And listen, brothers and sisters, word of mouth in heaven spreads about us. You think the angels ain't up there talking? Yeah, that one you sent me to God, that's bad attitude. They need some motivation. Bad attitude. If we're going to do anything for God, if we got to do it, let's change the got to to opportunity to do it. I'm glad to do it. Thank you, Lord. Listen, because if I got to do it, don't, shouldn't my mindset change about it? If I have to do this to get to heaven, I'm going to be glad to do it. For you, Lord. For you. Because I'm telling you, got to don't last long. No, that don't last long at all. Got to got some fight in them. Got to is bitter. Does everybody understand that? I tell you what. Don't, don't play with God. You know, when, when I lived in Tulsa, you know, I was going to a church and I stopped going there for about six months. I was thinking, well, you know, they do all that singing and worshiping. I just come for the word and it seemed like it's more worshiping than the word. So I just stopped going. I just listened to the radio. Until I was on my deathbed. And those same people that I stopped going to church with, they, they got wind that I was on my deathbed, and they were coming up there every day praying over me, every day praying over me, every single day. One of them gave me a, a tape player and brought some tapes. Hey, listen to this worship music, you know, trying to boost my spirits because they knew I, I pretty much thought I was on my way out of here, and I was glad to go to be out of all of that pain. And, and so what happened, you see, that, that made me want to go back to that church. But I couldn't because I was on my deathbed. And then at that moment, I realized, oh, going to church, that's an opportunity. That's not automatic. That ain't, everybody don't, and can't do that. S situations and circumstances come up that prevents people from being able to go. This is an opportunity. So from that point on, I looked at, thank you, Lord. I, I had the ability to go, and I was a fool and didn't go. So then I knew God, he can put us in situations to make you grateful for what you took for granted. Does everybody understand that now? And so I, that changed my mind real quick. I'm going to be there for, for praise and worship. I don't care if it's for three days. I'm going to be there. That, that one situation changed my mindset about the things of God. I ain't got to. This is an opportunity. This is an opportunity. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity. It changed my mind about it. Does everybody see that now? You think about it even on the job. You know, we start off going full speed, glad to be there, and then over time it just become common to us, and just whatever, just whatever, man. Y'all laying people off? Okay, well, put me at the top of the list when it's time to. If y'all ever need to cut back, I can be the I volunteer. I sacrifice myself that way. <laughs> what changed? Not the boss, not the hours, 
Not the job duty, not the people, you, your attitude. That's what changed. And the unfortunate thing is, can't nobody do nothing about your attitude but you. No pep rallies. Does everybody understand that? Can't nobody, you still glad to be here? What, what is it going to take? See, I'm just not that type of person. What is it going to take to make you happy? Now, I tell you, you need to accept Jesus Christ with your whole heart. Then you'll be happy. Does everybody see that? Listen, brothers and sisters, God's people don't need a pep rally. That Holy Spirit has enough pep for anybody. Does everybody see that now? And I'm telling you, my prayer is that we will receive this message because it will change the way we look at having a right attitude about something. It completely, it puts you on another angle of the same thing on this side. Listen, that's what happened, brothers and sisters, with the prophet Balaam. He wanted to speak against the children of Israel. He wanted to prophesy a curse on them. And you know what he did to try to do it? He went to the backside. He went to a mountain behind them. But he didn't know God, listen, God was standing in front of those people. The Bible says that pillar of cloud led, led them by day. He wasn't behind them. He led them. And it goes back to something the Lord told me years ago. Love does not look at a person where they are. It looks at what they're going to become. But depending on where you're standing, that determines what your attitude is toward a situation. Does everybody understand that now? You know, the old people when I was growing up, they used to sing a song, trouble don't last always. If I'm always behind trouble, then it just seemed like trouble's going to last. But what happens is, some kind of way, if we're spiritually mature, we can get place ourselves on the other side of it. I'm going to come out better than what this trouble started off with. It's designed. Does everybody understand that now? Y'all want to go look at a revelation just real briefly before I close that the Lord gave me. Let's go to the 21st chapter of the book of Revelation. I'll just give you a little bit of it. Just give you a little bit of it. The 21st chapter of the book of uh, Revelation. And we're going to start reading. Now, this is Jesus Christ showing John uh, this great city. In other words, the New Jerusalem. Or the, the heaven, basically. Everybody see that now? All right, so we're going we're gonna to start reading verse 16. It says, And the city lieth four square, and the length is as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. The length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. And he measured the wall thereof, and 140 and four cubits, according to the measure of a man, that is, of the angel. 
And the building of the wall of it was of jasper, and the city was pure gold, like unto clear glass. And the foundation of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, and the fourth emerald. Everybody see that now? And the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardius, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth of a topaz, the tenth chrysoprasus, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth an amethyst. Everybody see that now? Well, let's pay close attention. And that's. Does everybody see? Did everybody read what we were reading there about the foundations of the wall? Those jewels represent the apostles. Does everybody see that? We'll start reading verse, let's go to verse 21. And the 12 gates were 12 what? Were 12 what? And the street of the city, every several gate was of what? One pearl. Everybody see that? And the street of the city was what? Pure gold as it were transparent glass. So there's a couple of things I want to point out there. The gates. We talked about the foundation. The foundation was the apostles. Those were the 12 precious stones. Then you got the, the gates. The Bible says that the gate, basically what that means is the whole door, the whole gate was one solid pearl. In the word of God, it tells us not to cast our pearls before swine. That word pearl it's talking about those things that are precious to you because of your own personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So the foundation of the wall was the apostles. That's them teaching you the things of God, but that does not equal you having a personal relationship with God. The gates is your personal relationship with God. In other words, for you to walk into heaven, you're going to have to have your own personal relationship and revelation of who Jesus Christ is to you. We can't just talk about anger and it just be something that you say, well, you know, I guess God will help me. You know, I guess, yeah, you can't be angry. It has to be personal to you. How do you see yourself in this message of anger? How do you see yourself in the message of jealousy? That's what the pearl is. It's God's revelation to you about you. It's something that's precious to you. So let me explain what he means when he says that. Don't cast your pearls before swine. To human beings, a pearl is precious. We know what it takes for a pearl to be made. And so when you find it, it's something precious. But to pigs, it don't mean anything to them. It's just part of slop. We'll eat it. I guess this is peanuts. And so you don't get through the gates of heaven without having a personal revelation of who Jesus Christ is to you. You can't get there on my revelation of who he is to me and my testimony. You have to get there through your own testimony. What did he do for you? How has he changed you? What is he doing for you? That's your pearl. I have mine. But you're going to have to have to have your own pearl or gate to be able to walk in there. Does everybody see that now? 
All right, and so what does it say now? The last part of verse 21, and the street of the city was what? Pure gold. What does the gold represent? How is gold purified? With fire. In other words, with tribulation. <coughs> you will not get to heaven without having your own relationship with God, without having your own revelation of who Jesus Christ is to you, and you will not get there. In other words, you will not be able to walk on those streets without being tried, without going through trials. That is what he's talking about. The streets are paved with gold. In other words, if people are walking here, they don't went through something to be able to walk on these streets. So you can't be the type of believer that's trying to duck and dodge the devil. Oh, the devil over here? Oh, I'm going over there. The devil over there? Okay, well, I'm going over here. I don't want no trouble. Just trying to get to heaven. You're going to have to go through something. Anything that goes to heaven has to be tried first. You don't get to ninth grade without being tried in the eighth grade. They test you. Do you know enough? Do you have the goods to be able to go on to that? And that's the way it is, brothers and sisters. We have to be tried. We have to be willing to be tried. Does everybody see that now? And if we're going to go through that, we're going to have to have the right attitude about it. Our, listen, it will be hard. It will be very, very hard to live this life of Jesus Christ with a wrong attitude. We might as well just not live the life if we're going to do it with the wrong attitude. Eventually, we're going to run out of steam if we're doing it with the wrong attitude. Does everybody understand that now? Eventually, we'll get tired. It will become a burden. We'll have, you know, just the way we see things. We will get tired. We will be bothered that God even had the audacity to ask me to serve him. And that's not God's will. We have to do it with the right attitude. We have to be renewed in the spirit of our minds. In other words, we have to have the right attitude with the knowledge that we receive. Because if not, it don't do us any good. And listen, God don't let up. You know, the Bible says to, to, to them that know the will and don't do it, he'll work with many stripes. So eventually, that's the way we'll become. We'll know God's will, but we'll want to stop doing it. And then we get work with many stripes, and it just becomes a catch-22 situation. We just get stuck in this cycle, cycle of not wanting to do it, but having to do it. Then not wanting to do it, and, 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 and eventually not doing it, and then God whooping us, and then we feel like, listen, brothers and sisters, don't ever get to the place where you feel like you're forced to serve God. That's a bad place to be in. Because number one, God don't force anybody to serve him. But that's a bad place to be in when you are forced to serve God. I can tell you, God ain't getting nothing out of it. My wife, you know, before we got married, she didn't like beans. And I don't know if I cooked them or if we went to visit my mother and my mother cooked them. I can't remember which one was it. 
Or did you cook them and I was telling them how, telling you how, something like that. Whatever it was, huh? Yeah, so she started cooking them for me. And then all of a sudden she started liking them. And I couldn't understand. So who don't like beans? Uh, you know, I can tell you who. Uh, when folks grow up with beans just being thrown in water with a, with a piece of salt in it. That's who don't like beans. When, when you put the beans on the rice and it ain't nothing but beans there, no, no gravy. <laughs> Does everybody understand that? No gravy at all. There ain't nothing in there. No, no pork in there floating around, nothing. Just a bean. But when you put love in them, listen, when you put the right attitude with it, I got an opportunity to cook beans. I have an opportunity to serve the Lord. It changes your whole concept of who God is. God goes from being a dictator to a father. Does everybody see that now? And I'm telling you, if we're going to serve him, let's do it with our whole heart with the right attitude. All right, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this word. Thank you, Lord, for speaking this to us. And God, right now, we ask, Lord, that you will help us to check our motives, help us to check our attitudes, Lord. Forgive us for the times that we've murmured and complained in our hearts concerning your perfect will for our lives. God, help us to change our minds, Lord, so we'll see that it's an opportunity to serve you. It's an opportunity to grow in you and to hear your word, Lord, and to take on more of your word, to be more like you. Forgive us, Lord, for being brats, for complaining, for thinking that you should just accept whatever we give you. Forgive us for ignoring, Lord, that everything we have is yours, including our lives. So, Lord, we know now the only thing we can offer to you is our attitude because everything else is yours. And so, God, we ask, Lord, that you will prepare our hearts and our minds. Remind us of this message, Lord, when we're tempted to go back in our old ways. Lord, we pray over everyone here today, everyone that's maybe not feeling well in their bodies, Lord. We ask that you will relieve them, that you will help them to feel better, oh God. Remove whatever sickness may be there. Lord, we thank you for your healing power. We thank you for your grace and mercy. And Lord, we pray that you will continue to help us to get closer to you. Help us to accept your word as it comes, Lord. Help us not to choke on your word. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. All right, brothers and sisters. Thank you all for coming today. If the Lord willing, we'll go ahead and be dismissed, and we'll go to the back. We'll have some fellowship and talk about the things that the Lord has spoke to us today. All right, so now you're dismissed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ.